Stay up on the real culture of Detroit by tuning in to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network weekly. Music, art, business, comedy, and never-before-told stories from the people of Detroit. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Yeah. I've been so entwined, I'm going out of my mind, I'm going out of my mind. Looking for my shine, forgot to use mine, forgot to use my shine. It took me some time to get into the design, it might take some time. But now I'm just right, that's right. Wake up in the morning, do my makeup Every other hustle for the cake up Back and forth, I'm struggling to stay up Seeing all my homies pass me by And I'm like, wait up But life is for the living and this game is for the players Time to take a leap, spread wings, catch some air Cause who said life is fair? Had my struggles with despair Had to step up out the shadows, leave it there Where, when, and why only meant that I decide That's right, that's right, that's right Said I've been so entwined I'm going out of my mind I'm going out of my mind Looking for my shine, forgot to use mine, forgot to use my shine. It took me some time to get into the design, my take some time. But now I'm just right, just right, now I'm just right, now I'm just right. So with a fine tooth home, I had to pick it, whip it, smack it up, flip it, strip it, right down to that primitive shit. Only can feed when I'm killing it, that's as real as it gets. If it's about me, then I'd probably succeed. But the seeds need more than ever before So I tighten up my laces just to show them the score I'm at at least poor board since my number is four Was a poor little rich girl But this world will either make or break you And since I know I'm capable I'ma put my cape on and save a few of those On some unbeknown set of golden smash Put some money in some hands of my own If they ask, I'm just making it known uh, uh, I said, I've been so entwined I'm going out of my mind I'm going out of my mind Peace, everybody. Wake this up. is the Piper Carter podcast, and I am Piper Don't Carter. Tell yourself a story. And I'm in the studio with Brittany. What's up, Brittany? Peace, Piper. What's it's going just- on? I'm good. I'm good. And I'm just going to go ahead and introduce our guest. Like, 
just really briefly and then we're gonna get all the way into it so this is one of my most favorite MCs in the whole wide world and I'm so honored and so glad that he's able to be here we're gonna learn so much more about him but uh let's welcome uh Buff One slash Jamal Bufford in the building what's Peace. up bro what's up how Hang you doing Piper? yay, yay. So good to be here. Oh yes. my God, this I'm is awesome. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yes. I'm yeah. like a huge fan, but Thank I'm one of those so fans that doesn't want to be weird. You know what I mean? Like I try to fan, but like just <laughs> be a fan, but not be all weird and whatnot. You're you know? not. Okay, that's You're good. You're not, yes. Okay, that's good. You, you accomplish your goal. Okay, that's what's up. It's better than you acting bougie. Like, I think what the rap, some of the rappers say, like, I'd be embarrassed to pull my phones out. Like, you don't right. ever be embarrassed. You get people they love. That's good. Okay, that's what's up. That's good. And I appreciate it. We always talk about, like, the business of hip-hop or the business of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so happy that we got Buff One up here because... He's like the antithesis of this, which is, which is the reason that I love him so much. I, I know nothing about the music business. Is that what you're saying? Well, that you <laughs> represent a, a a form of business that people need to practice. How about that? Okay. That you represent the way the music business should be practiced to me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, good business, great talent. You know what I mean? Like take you to the next level with your artistry. And no foolishness in the background. Like she also told me, one of the other things she mentioned about you is your consistency in message and always finding a way to uplift women. So I try my best for sure. That you is do. Def- that is definitely a reoccurring theme in my music for it sure. It is. Do you have a lot of women fans? I think so. <laughs> I think yeah. so. I would say so. <laughs> I mean, consistently, and you not only you know. Like a lot of dudes are like, I love women. You also have a lot of women on a lot of your projects. I do, yeah. Yep. You know, at rhyming. It's not like the girl. You know, right, it's like right. lots of women consistently, like throughout the history of your career, yeah. consistently throughout all of your projects. Yep. So it's not like, I'm going to put a chick on here. You know, it's like right. you authentically got women on. The, yeah, on yeah. And you're, you're a true lyricist. So the fact that to Piper's point that you are finding other lyricists that are women, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. It's pretty cool. And I'm sure you've learned a lot about women and lyrics, seeing them grow as lyricists. For sure. And, I, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, I mean, really, it's just because a lot of them are like family to me. So that mm. that's at, a, at its core. That's where yeah. it starts. Like, these okay. are my people. And they just happen to be really dope rappers. Wow. And okay. they happen to be women. Okay, right. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I do make it a point, for okay. sure. Yeah. Do you ever foresee hip-hop, the mainstream hip-hop, ever conforming to being more gentle towards women on a, on a collective? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, do I see that? Uh, not really. Mm. No, I don't. What type of things would you suggest that men do differently in their daily walk so it, so it can get to that utopia at that point? Um, talk to women, learn from women, mm. have conversations. Uh, if you're not sure about something, ask. Um, that's as good as I can say. I learn from my wife every single day. Shouts out to your something. wife. Shouts out. I learn something every day from my wife. What's her name? Rebecca. Shouts out, Rebecca. My, what's, shout, shout out to my wife. What up, though? Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I'm, I'm I can't sit up here like I'm a saint and I know all things. Like, oh yes, this is how you. Oh come on, yeah. You know I what I'm saying, you. right? I got you. But um, but you have demonstrated how to do things differently, and in, in in your business I mean, endeavors, which I is try really to res- important. I try to respect everyone. Right. Mm. Okay. Not, not just women. All right, shouts out to humanity. I just try to respect people. That's that's yeah. how I operate. That's like the foundation of. And when I say that's how my mom raised me, you know, that's how she raised me. It was, you know, of course she was like respect women, um, but it wasn't like a, a, a thing. Like she was like, when you go out into the world, to make <laughs> sure you represent men, and you know, it was mm-hmm. just like respect people, okay. treat them how you want to be treated, right? Um, and that's just kind of led into the music business, um, how I communicate with people and women. Right. Um, Respect, respectfully. Oh, wow. I try. I try my best. I'm sure a story might pop up a couple weeks from now. I mean, you know. Buff one. (laughs) Right. I feel sure. Custom. Nah, but, you know. Yeah. That's what I try to do. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about hip-hop right quick. Yeah. Rap. Rapidity rap. Hip-hop. It's been a huge year for 2018. It has. There's been a lot of releases. I mean, almost every rapper besides, like, you know, the T.I.'s, his, I think his last great album was Paper Trail, but the point I'm making, it's like everybody dropped. (laughs) Is that a shot? Even Buff It wasn't. It wasn't a shot. (laughs) Shout out T.I. I I saw him putting out information to people about... uh, a, a, a lot of social justice he's issues. Doing he's, doing he's, he's doing great work. He's doing great work. Shout out to him. No, sure. that was no diss. For sure. I know you're probably not hearing me right now, but that was no diss. Oh, my God. Okay, so now let's go into... I got some questions for you about this new project. Okay. But first, tell us about the new project. Okay. Yeah, so my new album... Uh, as Jamal Bufford. Shouts out to this new project. Everybody's got a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really, really dope. Uh, it's called Time In Between Thoughts. Um, and it just came out literally this past week. So we put it out on Bandcamp first. Um, just t- to... Uh, we wanted to see who was rocking with us and who wanted to purchase it and support us. Because um, we, we do a lot. And it was great to see that a lot of people bought it. Hey. Uh, so we don't, it wasn't, you can't stream it on Bandcamp. We was just like, look, if you rock with us, if you know what we're about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. go on and buy it. Because, you know, we're, we're in an interesting kind of, I don't want to say level, but level for lack yeah. of a better word. And with this, with the streaming, it's like, if you're not Drake or whoever, you're not getting a million streams a day good to know. you're really not making that much money you make money but it's not that much money okay wait we got a detour for one second okay let's just have like a two and a half to three minute conversation about the industry okay because and then we gotta get back to my album we gotta get back to your album I'm gonna make sure of it but Don't it's related <laughs> this is related to your album though okay yeah yeah so people like us let's say like Brittany and myself and probably mm-hmm. a lot of my listeners our goal is to support artists like mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. independent artists mm-hmm. and help us understand the best way we can support because this is really good information because a lot of yeah. people don't understand the difference between listening to you well purchasing your thing on the band camp yeah. or like what well, we do understand between buying a cd but like how the streaming fits yeah into supporting you just could you help us give us yeah. like an abridged so- version all right, let me try to make this. Um, and it's all tied to your album. Oh yeah, yeah, supporting yeah. your album. Yeah. Um, so all right, let's let me try to break it down this way. If you're a brand new artist, 
not too many people's ever heard of. Um, you just like yo, this might be your first project. It's 2016, 17, 18 now, and you're like, all right, how can I let people know I'm serious? I'm relevant. I'm real. I'm really out here, really doing it. I gotta be on the streaming services. I gotta be. Okay. You know what I'm saying? All to, of to, them. to compete, quote uh, unquote. You, you, you need to be on all of them? Uh, I don't, maybe. Okay. Maybe. I don't okay. know. But something. You got to yeah. be on something because okay. you're competing now with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And if you're searching and you, they, they don't see you on the stream and like, ah, this kid, or not even kid, could be a grown, whatever. Yeah. They're not for real. Okay. For real. Or they only on SoundCloud, they're not for real. So that's so, like one so on that's, one. So that's. That's a level. Okay. That's a level. Mm-hmm. It's probably like eight or nine, maybe 13, whatever levels, but I'm going to just try to keep it to three. Okay. Then there's people like me mm-hmm. who've been around for a while. Um, people do know who I am. You have a loyal following, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not a millionaire. I don't have a million followers. It's, I'm not touring 200 days out of the year, but people know who I am. Mm-hmm. So... It benefits us to be on streaming networks as well. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, we're not getting streamed a million times a day. Okay. You know, which, even still, really, really when you break it down, streaming still really isn't that much money. Even if you are getting streamed a million okay. times a day. But, if you are getting streamed a million times a day, you make a decent little money off of it. But if you're getting streamed a million times a day... That's not your main source of income gotcha, anyway. Okay. You touring, selling out, you okay. know, stadiums anyway, and mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. It's but a sliver of the pie. Yes, regardless. Correct. But for us, not getting streamed a million times a day, it's you know, not that much money, and it comes quarterly, and mm, it's you know, it's yeah. cool. Like you can get go out to dinner, get some groceries, pay your phone bill. Okay. It's mm-hmm. cool. It's cool, but you know, it's also like. It fluctuates. It yeah. depends on what's, what you just dropped and, mm-hmm. you know, when you dropped it. Got it. So, it's not always guaranteed great money. Got it. So, what we decided to do with my new album, bringing us back to that. Yes. We were like, yo, we, 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 so we've been doing this streaming thing for the last three, four years and now. Wait, you didn't give us the last tier. Oh, uh, well, Drake. Drake's oh, okay, okay, Drake-ish okay. Well, that's people. Okay, okay. Right. So it's like, brand new. I need to let people know I'm for real. I'm going to put it on the streaming services. Yeah. Probably not going to make no money. They know that ahead of time. Or maybe mm-hmm. they don't. But they're probably not going to make a lot of money. But they're like, whatever. Yeah. I got to be streaming. This Everybody. be the one hit. Yeah. I'm on all, people like to say, I'm on all, on all platforms. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that means I'm official. Okay. I'm real. I mean, I'm out here. Yeah. Then there's us. It's like, yeah, we've been doing this. We've been doing the streaming thing. We've been selling CDs. We sell vinyl. We sell T-shirt. You know, we do all these things. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to listen to our music, chances are you're probably going to stream, and that's what most people are doing. Okay. But we don't make a ton of money off of it. And then there's people who make good money off of streaming. Okay. So those are like got the three it, levels. So, so you guys, if we want to support you, yes. what do we need to do? Well... You're fi- financially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be awesome if you purchased... Uh, the 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 Bandcamp link. Now that is for my new album, or you can buy a CD. Okay. Or you can buy a hat, or you can buy a T-shirt, or come or you see can, you at the show, or come see us at the show. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Just wanted so, to. So yeah. So j- just to be clear, if you stream, go for it. I'm not saying don't stream. It's awesome. I stream. I like using streaming services. Mm-hmm. They're pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But. 
if you want to support me yeah or maybe artists like me yeah listening on that is awesome but it's not going to it's our not pocket that impact much. your bottom line yes like gotcha, gotcha. yes okay so okay. we was like uh let's put our business hats on yeah. You know, because you got to think about these things yeah. every day if you're really about this and yeah. reinvent and change and figure mm-hmm. things out. And mm-hmm. so we're like, look, we've been using Bandcamp for years. We sell music on Bandcamp. But when we got caught up in the streaming thing, we started telling everybody, just go to listen to it on Apple mm-hmm. Music and Tidal and mm-hmm. Spotify. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know what? Uh, maybe we should ask people to buy this. Yeah. Uh because we put hard work into it. And you can still buy on iTunes. And you too. can still you can still yeah, you can buy on iTunes too. Yeah. Yep. And so we put it out the previous week on Bandcamp only. Oh, there's four right, songs right. you can listen to. So we gave y'all okay. four. You can stream four. Okay. But you can't hear the whole thing if you're really rocking with it. Yeah. Buy it. it. Okay. Yeah. I love okay. it. The following week, which is now, is yeah. on all the streaming services. So if you just was like, "Eh, I'm still not sold. I just want to listen on Apple Music." You can do that, mm-hmm. but honestly, it was just like I was just trying to cash a chip, a chip in. Honestly, I was like, if you rock How'd with it me, but it, it went great, wonderful. It went, it went great. Very it glad went, to hear. Yes, it went better than imagined. And I'm still telling people, if you want to, if you haven't heard it yet, buy it. Yeah, please buy it. If you don't, it's all good. What is it on Bandcamp? Uh, what you mean? Like what? Where people can go? Oh, yes, correct. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is at the Black Opera. Dot bandcamp.com okay go to the black opera dot bandcamp.com you can purchase my new album Jamal Buffett time in between thoughts um, I would love for you to purchase it I think it's worth it I know it's worth it it is um, and but if that's not your thing you can stream it do your thing and we are in the studio with the legendary DJ Head and our token millennial Brittany. What's up, Brittany? I'm so happy. I am sitting next to a whole excerpt of a hip hop encyclopedia. I just have to say that. It just feels so cool. I'm a wiki. Yes. No. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I am a wiki. Like, oh my gosh. No, encycle was what? Probably about the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. 90s. Yeah. And then when the millennial kicked in, then we went from E to W. Right. <laughs> okay. We wiki in now. Right. right. You're wiki. in the wiki. Yeah. So um, I'll just get right into it because um, DJ Head is a busy man. He's got to produce a bunch of stuff and be in like nine million places at the same time. Ain't that the truth? Mm. Yeah. So all right, I'm gonna start with a quick story. She got so, stories. I got so many stories. She be hanging with peoples and shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's what's crazy about about the stories that Piper got is that. The universe is an interesting place mm. because you where you're supposed to be at all times, whether you want to be there or not. This is true. You know what I'm saying? This so is true. Barry. We, we here right now. So Piper, yeah. lay, lay one on them. Okay. <laughs> so what year was this? Was this like 2012? Around there. I remember my years. Something like that. Up. But uh, it, was the, it was the year that uh, Eminem came here to uh, Comerica Park. Did he came with Jay-Z? Or was it? Yeah. Might have been. Yeah, it was Comerica Park. I, I think he remember. came with Jay Z, and um, so Head was like, uh, "Yo, Pipe, you want to go to uh, see Eminem?" And I was like, eh. "He was like, man, nigga, <laughs> you know you want to go." He put see you together, Eminem. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I do she actually. Had the I do actually." 
And then we had bought a set of tickets, and we all went. So, like, a whole crew of us was rolling down there, man. Yeah. How many people y'all think it was? I don't know. It was a bunch of people. It was a Bro. bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice... It was crewed up. 15, maybe? Yeah. Oh, Some of about 15 it was people. Like nutty. Yeah. And so, uh, Head was like, yeah, Pipe, uh, you want to meet him? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And, uh, we, <laughs> but it was it was interesting because pe- well, most of the people we were with was real pressed to, to, to meet him. Mm. Like, I told him, like, press. I told him, yeah. like, press, like, like, press, press, press. Putting that heat on. <laughs> I, I, but you know what's crazy about it? Like, you don't even think of it in that nature because right. it's like whatever, whatever, because you know that person before the public knows right. that person. You know mm, what right. I'm saying? So it's a different type of dynamic. So and then like, for right. me, I was like, I was thinking like, okay, I but already you know. The bound superstars. Well, well, my thing was like, I was, I was thinking like, you know what? It's a, it's a, because if you guys ever been backstage and trying to see an artist immediately before they're gonna perform, that's the most pressure time yep. when they uh, actually don't want to see anybody. Got you. Yep. So, Especially M through his lyrics. Well, just most, most, yeah. most artists, just right? In general, they, they don't want to. They don't. They need to get in that zone. Yep. They don't want to talk to nobody. They don't want to see nobody. Like just. So I was just thinking, like, probably these artists are probably going to be in that. So that's where I'm coming from. Got you. So when everybody else was, like, pressing um, on Head, I said, you know what, Head? If he's with it, cool. If he's not cool, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand how it go. You right. know what I'm saying? And so he was like, nah, don't worry about it. We, 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 you know, we, we in here. I said, okay. So I was just kind of rolling with it. I was like, I was totally like, whatever. <laughs> however, whatever. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it was interesting because, like, Head... Wherever he went, everybody was opening up, like, parting, like, the Red Sea. <laughs> <gasps> right? And I was like, wow, this is interesting. Because, like, when I go places, immediately security is like, Negroes the to hell? the back. <laughs> they be like, hell no. Yeah. So, head, when Head came, you know, it, it was just interesting. So, and as you know... If you've ever seen any of these like movies, it's like the movie, right? So mm. it's like, you know, when you go down into the tunnel, because that's yep. like where they play baseball. So it's mm. that like... Was it Ford Field or... No, it was Comerica. Comerica Park. Yeah, yeah. it was Comerica. Because he did, he did do two. I think he did Ford Field and Comerica, but... They came later yeah. for mm-hmm. another time. I think yep. last, 2016. Yep. But this was the, this was the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, those baseball tunnels. So it was like security was everywhere. Right? Yeah, it's like Houdini's freak come out at night video <laughs> with Jermaine Dupree little ass in the back pop locking. You know what I'm saying? But then the tour buses be all That's over the hilarious. place. It was, it was, it was energy, like Surreal energy, kinda. like energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then it was like, but I'm telling you, like, it was just like going through those baseball tunnels mm-hmm. and security, and it was like everywhere you went, it was like security, security, security. So then M so that I mean not M, but um Head was like, don't worry about the pipe. So I was getting ready to turn around and go back. He's like, nah, come on, come on. So we going through, through, through. And and the more levels you go through, mm-hmm. it's like Dungeons and Dragons. It's like, <laughs> it's like more security is coming out the woodworks, right? She said this shit is a video game. It was. <laughs> I mean, it was like levels to the security. You know what I'm saying? As we get close, as you get closer Fit. to the star. Gotcha. That makes sense. So uh what was interesting is um that this one point. I just saw like all this security and all this massive people just like rush and my 80s instinct kicked in. I thought it was a fight. So I was about to go the other way. <laughs> but but it was that uh, Dr. Dre had come. So it was like oh, yeah, everybody right. had yeah. rushed up on Dr. Dre. So uh, hmm. I was trying to figure out what was going on so I could like hurry up and get out of there. And then Dad was like, no, nah, it's cool, pipe. Come on. Let's say what's up to Dre. What's up, Dre? I said, okay, sure. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, imagine 
like Dre stops, he sees head. And it's like that moment in the, in the movie was like, oh, and like <laughs> everything just like opens up. Right. And immediately Dr. Dre, like, it's like he turned to a little kid. He starts laughing and smiling. Oh, my God. DJ Head. And he was like ran towards Head and grabbed him and hugged him. He smiled so hard. He's like, do y'all know who this is? Do y'all know who this is? And um, Head was so humble like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> now, so tell yeah. us about. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> tell us about Dr. Dre. Like that. Just tell us about Dr. Dre. Like your whole experience, how you know him, like that whole thing. Well, know him pretty much via the M situation. And uh, I mean, I've worked on a lot of records, you know, dealing with M. And Dre would like mix a lot of the stuff we'd be making and stuff like that. So mm. that's how I got to know Dre. And, you know, you get what's crazy about it is you get to study, you know, somebody that's mm-hmm. above you because that's how you get better anyway. You right. know what I'm saying? So, like, if you think that person is sweet then you take that in and that right. builds your character and then you can like take what he got and then take take it to your level. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. And that's one of those experiences that you can't, you know, you can't knock it yeah. by no means. And I mean, I know like a lot of the Dre tricks like people be thinking about, you know, because right. that's some dope shit. I know what Dre be doing. Right. Like, and I'm using what's funny is like, we'll talk about it later, but yeah. um, I'm using those techniques that I watched him and learned from him to this mm. day. Okay. Like okay. I'm do- dealing with that on a project right now. Okay. Okay. And then you you had yeah, a couple questions funny. about so, Dre, right? Yeah. Because my thing is is that I'm a, I might be a little long winded, but this is just it's not every day you get to sit and have these like amazing conversations about production, especially. But right. Anyway, so Dre in the NWA movie, they they I think from what I remember it, they started off by kind of giving you his inspiration of how he created his sound. Right. Pharrell has a sound. Timberland has a sound. You have a sound. Right. Everyone has that. That sound. Right, right. So my biggest question for you is, is how did you craft your sound? And the reason why I ask you is, is because in 89, you graduated from Shrine. Uh, yep. So in 89, you got Bobby Brown with the hits, Janet with the hits, the New Jack Swing sound came right. out, Biz Marquee, Just right. a Friend, Me, Myself, and I, that's, De La that's Soul. Probably... You had all these different cha-cha-cha by yeah. MC Light. You had um, Smooth Operator. Not to mention fight the power. All them different sounds. Right. And I know you you went to college, you did a lot, you right, had a lot right. of different how did that sound with all with where you were, how did you craft it to be your sound? You wanna know what's crazy? So, this is how Detroit niggas are Detroit as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> My sound does not craft off of any of those people you really name, except for now people don't realize that NWA did do jit shit. Right, no shit, mm, yeah, and a lot yeah. of people don't know that world class wrecking crew. Well, no, think about Panic Zone. Uh, yeah. This something to dance to. Those, right, right, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. people don't even realize Run DMC had a jit track mm, called Up Tempo. Right, right, you know, and like in Detroit, those records got played. So my inspiration, as far as music, and it's probably the like even with Dilla and stuff like that. A lot of our inspiration, especially for me, comes from the Wizard. Ah, and Mojo. Right, right. Well, the Wizard, who? Because people may not know the Wizard. Jeff Mills. Right. But the Wizard, if you like, think about this. You know how you uh, like people like to go like, hey, I gotta go watch my love in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Now back then, hey, it's nine o'clock. Take your ass in the house. I'm about to put that cassette in the cassette deck and record the Wizard at nine p.m. on the radio. Mm, right. 
So, and you would get like the mashup of you name it, and it just be hot shit. So he would go probably between him and Mojo, you getting everything from the B fifty twos to Run DMC to Prince to mm, Funkadelic to Craftwork. So he just yeah, and like you 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 get you might get Eric B and Rakim paid in full. Right. Uh, but that All mashup, yeah, you, it's not like rap specific, specific, or it's not R and B specific. It's not techno specific. It's just a mashup, and shit just worked because that shit was like a mass. Mm, right. You know, like I, I mean, like faithfully, you go in at nine o'clock and yeah. record this shit. You yeah. know, because it's some hot shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and he's cutting this shit, and mixing it, mm, and now, yeah. you know, picking it off. And it's, yeah, and it's all mm-hmm. like one big sermon. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's kind of like that's kind of my disgruntle with a lot of things today. It's like nothing's like it's an experience. Sound, yeah. You know mm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cause I ain't gonna, I'm done, but I love Dre. Dre got a nice sound, but dude, the bass line on Renegade, bro. Like you Okay. <laughs> like, like, do you not understand? I mean, you know, I know you understand, but like, are you that's just a walking life hitting me? The universe. Just well, tell us about Renegade. Um that just was like me staying up late, um, looking at BET on jazz. And that's pretty where that jumps off at. Just like regular life. Mm-hmm. You know? How did it make it to the to the to the to the project? How did it make mm-hmm. it on to, to be green lighted? Yes. Like I, I didn't even know it was green lighted. I had found out about that song. Um, I think we were in I was on tour with D12 in Europe. Okay. And that's when I found out that it came out. I didn't know nothing about it actually. <laughs> DJ Emmer J, when you heard it, like I know I, when you heard the whole piece come together. Wait, how did you feel when you heard it? Them on it, like what were your first thoughts? Like nothing, just another record. Keep it moving. Wow. Did you know it was gonna blow up like that? No, I don't never think of nothing that blows up or if it fails. You just make it. Just you just make it because you're just living. You know what I'm I saying? Wow. Like I, I mean, it's like. You're only as good as the last project, record, or whatever you do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you don't get wrapped up in that. You just keep doing what That's you do. That's a good idea. You it know what I'm great saying? Idea. That keeps you off drugs. <laughs> great idea. Yeah. It, I mean, it keeps you level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. that's the big thing with me, like you know, everyday life. That's that's how you create longevity. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mm-hmm. can see that that your character is how probably keep studio sessions grounded because I was asking Piper, like, I know now it's real popular for rappers to be like, okay, send me this, right. send me that. But I could imagine you having more studio sessions. Am I? I like to, you know what's crazy about a lot of the artists that I've I've worked with in the past and presently? It's like, and we'll get to the one I'm working on like later, but uh, you just build with them in a, interesting kind of way it's like you know them personally prior to what the public mm, gets to see so okay. i've you know you've built you know you know how this person operates mm. you know what i'm saying you know what what makes a move and what fix and what can make the picture overall mm. right and you know because when when you're like making records the biggest thing you got to do is you got to make pictures right you know like even when i'm djing the same thing like okay i can predict what a crowd is going to look like you know, based off like like I was at this bar down on Livernois in uh ninety-six, the Jeffries, down in that area. Varsity bar, or whatever. I'm in there DJ and like I didn't know what to expect. My first time in this bar in the hood and everything else spinning and shit, man. <laughs> Motherfuckers in there grooving on some fucking 
hustle and step and <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay. I was thinking a little different. I was close, but mm-hmm. no. So you get up in there, you know, you got to drop that Jaheem on them. You know what okay. I'm saying? Okay. I see what I've you're changed saying. some Anthony Hamilton, you know, because them chicks want to get their groove on. You I know what I'm you, saying? I feel you. So you fit in their picture, in yeah. their head, and yeah. their whole energy and their vibe. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it's the same thing when it comes to making records. I'll tell okay. you, I'll leave it at that with back to full circle it, back to Dre, back to. Any of the producers that I name and including yourself, I think that's what, you know, you mentioned it also in an interview that about the five. Anyway, you mentioned a lot of great things and when you, when you speak to people, but I think that's what makes a producer such a great producer is that they feel the artist yeah. more than anything. Yeah. So, and like, you know, these people before they blow up, which is even better. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, so yeah. I actually have a relationship. Yeah. You, you've already built mm-hmm. it. So you like kind of know what's like, if it's big, it's big. If it ain't, it ain't. But I mean, as long as everything is, you know, on the level paying field and feeling good. Well, I just want to ask you one quick question just hmm. so people know. Hmm. What are, how many records do you have with Dre, Dr. Dre? Uh, do you know? No. But more than two. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what are, what are some of the ones that, that that folks would know? Like without me, that's not with Dre. But I mean, I think Dre mixed that. Like a lot of them is just mixing, like some of the D twelve stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the what are the album projects that you're on that would involve Dre? Uh, first three Eminem albums, the first D twelve album. Uh, huh. Chronic too? Ma- no, nah, I'm not on Chronic. No, no. Funkmaster Flex. I work with him. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, who else? It's a lot, right? Exhibit, right? You worked on Yeah, I forgot about X. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about the X. Sorry, tons of stuff with Exhibit, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's the one I heard M snapping. Like, what you was talking about how you imagine an artist to be and you want to give them that solitude before, I think, one of the songs that you produce. Eminem was going in like, dog, I be having to have all the security outside. Like, <laughs> yeah. like he was going in. I, I, I was listening to that. That song was so fire. Well, I tell think. us about your relationship with Eminem and like where that started, how that started, and, okay. and, and the music too, the music relationship. Uh, damn, that's a lot to think about, Piper. Okay. But. You can keep it basic. Uh, let me think here. So, well, here's a crazy situation. So, like my whole I guess my the universe, like I said, sends you in places you need to be, whether you know it or not. So back in the 70s, speaking my age, but uh, that's when I met Proof. Wow. I met him in the principal's office at grade <laughs> school. <laughs> now, the crazy thing about that was like at the school, they would make these big snow hills mm-hmm. in the winter, you know, pushing to clean the parking lot out and the kids would play on them. Mm-hmm. And you would in trouble for playing on those mounds. So oh, okay. what happened was, so the nun come out, it's like, you in the office. Oh, wow. I'm like, for what? Uh-oh. She's just like, office. I was like, all right. So I wasn't playing on them damn snow mounds. <laughs> <laughs> I know that much. Teacher. <laughs> exactly. Shout out to I, you. I know that much, but... So I'm sitting in this principal's office, like, waiting and you know, probably get my ass tore up and screamed at and some other shit, you know. But uh, what happened was, coming out, the principal's office was proof. And he wow. sat next to me. Okay. And we started talking. Okay. And this is in the 70s. Wow. So that's where the whole... So then That's how, when it starts. So then how does that lead to... <clears throat> so... Yeah. 
what happens is we fast forward a little bit to me going to uh, Michigan State. Um, there was this cat named Riel. He was that was his rap name, but this was uh, Proof's boy in high school. Okay. So one uh, spring break, I was home. I had all my shit home, records, drum machine, turntables. You know, I'm bringing that shit back faithfully. And, you know, it ain't no laptop thing like back then. It's a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he bring, he's like, yo, I'm going to bring my boy by the house, man. I'm like, whatever. So he bring him by, by the house. He come in the basement. And uh, he's like, so, uh, yo. I'm like, he's like, Jay-Zoo. I was like, Sister Stella. <laughs> that's when me and Proof reconnected. That is hilarious. Right. Like, so what are the odds? <laughs> what are the fucking odds, that's man? Hilarious. That that comes full circle, right? Right. So, right. like I said, the universe puts you in some weird places. Mm-hmm. So from there, you know, I'm like messing with you know Proof and all of this other stuff and the Five Ellis stuff and all of that. And I'm at the shop working, and he's like, "Yo." I got this white boy coming up here. Da, 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 da. I'm like, whatever. Da, 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 da. <laughs> All right. So I you guess talking about the hip hop shop. Yeah. The hip hop shop. And so like, I, I don't think he showed up the first time, but then he finally showed up. Right. And that's when I met him. At the legendary hip hop shop. At the hip hop shop. On Seven Mile. On Seven Mile. Green Shout Hill. out to Moose like, Malone. He was, seemed like he was chill. Like, was he shy? Like. He was like most of the cats in there, you know, ready mm. to get on that mic and go go battle. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's what's up. He came up there, and I think I think it took proof a minute for it to like get him to, you know, come on down, dog. Just some shit oh, okay. you want to fuck with. You mm-hmm, know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So he finally came, and he and he was like, "Yeah, every okay. like everybody that stepped foot in that shop was there. Like, yeah, this is this is the shit. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it was like an organic stomping ground. Got it." You talk about the universe a lot. Like, I know for both of y'all, when y'all look back, and we talked about it downstairs, that you guys are like hip-hop. Like, y'all age group. I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The peak We're the same age as hip-hop. Man, it's yeah. unreal. <laughs> so, when y'all look back and y'all just think about y'all experiences through hip-hop, I mean, I think that's what shines light that the universe is just so powerful. Like, yeah. And, that, like, you go back and you think about those moments and you just... Then you flip back to now. It's just like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, what are the odds? What are the odds? Like, so then, okay, speaking of the odds, how did you end up actually working, working with him and like mm. that whole process? Okay, so back then, you know, we used to- We're talking what, 93? No, about 90, mid-90s, like 95, okay. I think 94. Because I know Maurice had had in between maybe like nine, Maurice and Jerome between 90 and maybe 94, somewhere in there, he had the Rhythm Kitchen yeah. going on while I was in mm-hmm. college. So we would come back for spring break. And all of us, that was our hangout, the Rhythm Kitchen. Yep. So that's how we got connected in that scene. Okay. We start, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of shit popping off there, you know? Yeah. And then he did the shop. And then I ended up at the shop because Proofy called me because a friend of mine that was supposed to actually be DJing, uh, and actually he used to spend at the Rhythm Kitchen. But he ended up uh, not showing up. And Proof called me. He's like, hey, man, come on down here and, you know, fill in and shit. I'm and I ended up filling in forever. Mm-hmm. You know wow. what I'm saying? Just out of like the universe put me in that place, you know? Wow. And I, I I think I wasn't working. Did I lose? Nah. He just hit me up and was like, come on up. Because I thought I had another job, but that's after the shop. I ended up <laughs> at the record store when the shop closed. Okay. 
So then how did uh, it end up that you ended up, you know, being his DJ and working with him and Ooh, making music? Yeah. Just. Vibing. Vibing out. Like, you know, you like you gravitate to where you need to be. So like the like first studio session, like M, come up first to my studio, studio session. Or, okay. Dang DJ head. This I heard a, your okay, this, this is how this goes. So the first studio session, proof again. So um, proof called me. I'm like working three jobs at the fucking time. And he called me. He's like, hey, man, I need your drum machine, man. You should come up here to the studio, man. I'm trying to get this shit knocked out. Da, 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 da. I'm like, man, I'm fucking exhausted, dude. I like working like 10 hours a day type of shit, you know, plus DJing. Right. And I mean, like exhausted as hell. So I come down, I'm, uh, so I go up to the studio eventually because I had to go pick up the damn drum machine because Proof was sitting there working on Eminem's Infinite. Okay. And the, what was crazy, I didn't even know the studio was right like two blocks from the house. Oh, that worked out then. Yeah, but I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, damn. So I keep, it's like you kind of, you know how you keep running into the same shit until like you're supposed to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that's pretty much what happened. So, I'm up there at the studio, like, okay. And I'm like, and then uh, we passing, we making beat tapes. We pass beat tapes out because that was the thing back then. A lot of people don't know what a tape is. Is that where you just <laughs> like, <laughs> we passing. Is that where you like, uh, like, had, like, for instance, like on Fade to Black, like, Jay came in the studio and, I mean, yeah, and. Pharrell, Timberland, Just Blaze, they were playing them all the beats, and then Jay was like, yeah, let me... Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, that. yeah, like yeah. That. That's how it works. You know, you like, I'm, I'm giving tapes to, like, M and, uh, mm-hmm. like, Fat Cat, and people just in the, in the, you know, in the shop and stuff. So you're just trying to get out there and just, like, make shit happen. Shouts out to Fat Cat. No doubt. <clears throat> so then, uh, so now you're doing this beat tape thing. Right. And then, so we got Paul Rosenberg is in the mix. We got, yep. uh, he's Paul Bunyan at this time. Yeah, Paul, Paul Bunyan. Yep. Because I was actually the DJ for Paul's group Rhythm Cartel. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, that was back in Is college. Is Paul Rosenberg from here? Yeah. yeah. I did not. Hip hop shop. We yeah. was roommates in college. How did I not know this Wow. Shit? Okay. <laughs> so, so then, uh, so, so you're passing on these beat tapes. tapes right. And everybody's, everybody's loving uh, Paul Bunyan. He's like a big rapper at this time. Yeah, I mean, he had... He, was he had a little rhythm, name, right? Funko? Yeah, because he, he had the Rhythm Cartel thing, and that started up. Matter of fact, if I can find an old Rhythm Kitchen flyer, they are on the flyer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was DJing for that group. And the Rhythm Kitchen was like the predecessor to, to like the, the shelter and the, the shop. shop. yep. Yeah, okay. So then, um, okay, so how does it go from, uh, like... You know, because that's that that's that period that all these new artists want to know, right? Right. Because like Eminem is considered like one of the biggest MCs like right. ever, artists, hip hop artists ever, right? Right. So how does it go from this little white boy is coming on Seven Mile in an eighty five percent black city, right? Straight up in the hood, right? <laughs> to, to and you know stealing the mic and and, right. and rhyming and all that, and then how does then he end up becoming like one of the biggest MCs ever, and you being his DJ and, and working on those records? So one of the tapes he was listening to, and we were going like Paul had moved out to New York, um, and we were going back and forth to New York a lot. Sometimes it'd be me, M. Bazaar, or then sometimes it'd be Shout me. Shout out Bazaar. <laughs> me, uh, Proof, and Bazaar. But we, bottom line, we're going back and forth. Everybody was doing this fucking run. T the Pimp, uh, who else? Epod. Like, there's a ton of us just 
doing this rotation drive. It was out like to a hip hop chitlin circuit. Yeah, it was crazy. But I mean, everybody going out <laughs> to New York back then trying mm-hmm. to like make some Get shit on. pop. That's right. Hilarious. Doc Seuss. I mean, you name it, cats was in rotation. Okay. So um, we going back and forth out there trying to, you know, get a deal. And like on one of them trips, we in the car and I pop my beat tape in and just, you know, some shit for that 10 hour, 11 hour drive. And was like, I got something for that. I was mm. like, real? All right. I ignored it kind of like whatever. But then he was like, no, seriously, I got something for that. Okay. And that ended up being uh, just the two of us. Oh, wow. Now we have our brother, Jermaine, a.k.a. Big Fresh. Salam alaikum. How you doing, my brother? What's going on? Oh, oh my God. So I'm just really excited because um, it was cool that you were in the room to like hear DJ Head and we get to like continue, you know what I'm saying? Because we started with all this wonderful hip hop history, the hip hop shop and you know, all this kind of stuff. And now you're here to kind of bring us a little bit into the future. It's like you have some hip-hop history, and it's like a little bit newer history. So um, just wanted to bring you in here, you know what I'm saying? Because you're an amazing brother, you know, a great father. Um, you know, you're in the community. You're out here doing your thing. So what's up, um, Jermaine, a.k.a. Big Fresh? How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So um so that's great. I'm glad you're here. So yeah, I'm glad that you're here and that um Brittany gets a chance to like yeah. experience all all these great people that I always, you know, I'm, talk about. I feel like he's the big homie already. Ah, that's what's up, man. Mm-hmm. I did yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> that's what's up. Yeah, so you told us all this great stuff. Like I don't even know where to begin. It's like your dad wrote for Motown, like yeah. you you know, Denon Porter produced your first record, yeah. like I mean, what's all this other great stuff? You made music with uh, Beanie Siegel and Yo Gotti and Freeway, you know what I'm saying, and all these great people. Um, I don't even know where to begin, but let's just begin maybe at the kind of beginning, and let's talk about, you know, your history with hip-hop, because I had thought that you were part of the hip-hop shop, but you were telling me you came, like, a little bit after. Yeah, I came in the, um, in the, uh, man, the shelter era. The shelter and Kathy Mahogany and um, going over to spilling over to Lush and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, we're talking like 97, 98? 97, more so 98. Okay. 97, I was going back, back and forth between because I was going back and forth between school and uh, and coming back to the hood. So um, Where was school? I went to actually. I was like one of the first black kids to go out to Madison Heights. Okay, and I was all black. <laughs> they hated on me. I'm like, what was the dialect, like, man? As soon as I graduated, like all these black kids coming there, I wanted a black girlfriend. But now, uh... <laughs> <laughs> keep it all the way funky though. <laughs> I mean, it was cool. I, I got a lot of love out there, so I ain't gonna hate. I got a lot of love out there. <laughs> you see that melanin? Of course you did. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. That's, but... uh, that smile. <laughs> I am cute. They couldn't deny you, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, big man, fresh, no doubt. But uh, yeah, so us, me, um, me and move when I moved back. My mom, my mom uh, moved out of town when I was a youngin, mm-hmm. and I'm staying with my daddy on on the east side. And so when um, she moved back over to the Joy Road and Dexter area around Mosquito Hawk. Um, with uh, Moo Father, who was uh, 
the great, 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 great leader and activist and, and lover of the people, Imam Luke Marahim Allah. May Allah be pleased with him. Yeah, may Allah be pleased with him. Um, he, um, we started hanging tough back again. And um, that's when I got reintroduced. Like, I remember, <laughs> I first, like, when um, Slim, stick it ahead, when Slim Shady EP came out. Nobody heard of him, like stuff us hip hop cast out in the city, and so I took that out there to the burbs, and I was like, "Listen to this," <laughs> and they was like, cause "Like I said, like they was real hip hop heads, like white mm-hmm. white kids in the nineties. It's called them wiggers, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, called them wiggers back in the day, man. They um they was real like supreme hip hop heads, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like." Niggas wasn't like playing Illmatic like that. You know what I'm saying? Like they was, they had Illmatic. They had MC Ren. They had that like, like, shock of the hour. Like tapes like some of us who not really deep heads wouldn't have. They white folks be they them back in the day, they had it. You know what I'm saying? Thirty mm-hmm. return of thirty six chambers, like old dirty and stuff like that. So they kept me in tune with like the boom bap hip hop. You know what I'm saying? And and um when I moved back, when I going back and forth, when I came back to the city, I was like, man, because they was they, so they was into even though they, we all love E forty, we love all that stuff, and so. But I went back and I told, I was like, man, listen to this. Kamu gave me the EP, and it's like ninety eight. This was before he got signed, mm. and I said, listen to this. I was like, what do you think he is, black or white? That's like, I was like. Like man, like it wasn't. What song was that? I just don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm nice in the pee. I want to search the crushing milk bone. I'm everlasting. I was like, I'm like, damn. I was like, I guess. I guess what he is. Just like, no way, bro. <laughs> 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 I was like, yeah, he white, dude. It's like, damn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I remember back in the day, um, white MCs was like they was corny as shit. You know what I'm saying? Ice. Yeah, and then but you know you had milk bone, you had stuff like that, but then milk bone, but like people weren't really listening to milk bone like that. Like M was M took it to a whole nother place as far as like Lyricism. structures, yeah. rhyme structure. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so like he gave <laughs> even though again you had those white rappers who some like respected like searching them, he gave it perspective mm. to the point like they can relate and they like he made everybody st- like all the white boys step their bars up. Mm. You know what I'm saying, but what Beastie Boys is Beastie Boys really like the at, before M like the they was they was trendsetters, but they went to the point where nobody gotcha. looked for no bars. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody catching on no bars, and so mm-hmm. um yeah, back around that time. So be honest with me, like I didn't like I told like I I was talking off. I didn't really like Detroit rap. Mm. You know, I grew up on. Like back in the day, it was I'm from the east side. This guy named Irv Ski. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I remember. If, if some of the heads, they probably know. He's called this. He had this um, song called One Man Army. That was like the first like rap nigga. I was like, and I was like seven to eight, nine, something like that. He's like, for right now, I'm like, man, me and my cousin, like, we used to rap his little CD and all that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then Awesome Dre. Yeah. And, um, Hardcore committee, yeah. AWOL. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so when I moved back to the city, they was popping, but then 
Isham took over. I really went into that. You know what I'm saying? No mm-hmm. disrespect to e- like white the white boys. Yeah, they love Isham. I was they like, do. nigga, what the fuck is this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what was it? What kind of? What would you say it was he like? He is the founder of horrorcore. Yeah, Isham is the founder you know, of you know horror, like, uh, like insane clown posse and the kind of even them even even the whole that that little scene that D12 have they 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 probably man like them. Isham, that whole little scene with an over overdosing on drugs and all that. Isham is the king of that style. Like people okay. ain't gonna give him the I'll sound. Like go study. Isham is booming. Go find. <laughs> <laughs> Isham is booming. Look you know what I'm saying? Go look up. Isham is booming. Um, um, uh, he had the first one called Life or Death. He had like one side of the light. No, that was that was that was Ice Cube. He had the uh, Hell and something. He had two like he was like one of the first cat with two CDs and shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Isha was wild as hell, but I ain't really liked him like that. And so, like when Moo, I came back around, Moo was rapping. So I didn't even know he rapping. So I like, you know what I'm saying? Then he started rapping. I'm like, damn, Moo the coldest of the coldest. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He was just, him and his brother, um, Omar, that was in SOA. I really wasn't like feeling them too much because they was like religious I don't I don't like religious rap. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> But Moo was like the nice of the nice. Okay. And so Moo, by Moo being so nice, he got respect from all the other hip-hop shot cats. He was right. always around them. And so he played me, um, you know, he played me at Royce. Arch Nemesis in the Desert. Doc Seuss produced it. And it was like, if you look that song up, it was the, like, it's, it's on YouTube. Arch Nemesis in the Desert. And he, I was like, I ain't never heard nothing like, especially from no Detroit dude, mm-hmm. ever. I said, shit, I'm, I want to be around. You know what I'm saying? I said, okay, now somebody I can relate to. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't super streety. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't super duper streets. And he wasn't like, like, backpacky. He was just like hardcore. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so he went, he went, he was the balance like I needed at that time. And so when I, um, um, yeah, when I came through, um, and I seen and I seen that and then like I I didn't really want to really I still didn't really I rap but I ain't really play I play with it like I should sometimes I'm whack sometimes I be I can be dope <laughs> and sometimes I can be whack because I didn't care like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. but um strike we had we like once the brothers started really getting to ground each other and the hip hop thing started moving and we like the second generation of the of the, of the Muslims you know what I'm saying that's like the Muslim rappers. The Hasamausi and all, you know what I'm saying? And and, and the head they was B boys, like mm-hmm, Hassan mm-hmm. and Kifani and a lot of them, you know, the older hip hop Jamaat, they was more so B boys and rapper. Proof was like the rapper, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um we was like most of us was just the rappers and we was just a crew. It was just hard, you know what I'm saying? Right. We just some wild little dudes. And so that's why the old heads, like Hoss, all them like rock was like that dudes wild, you know what I'm saying? Right, but right. um when when Moo blew like when Moo started popping when Moo started popping and he started getting respect and then like for the most part so then Strike Mount Climbers was really doing their thing and so they had their own like the Mount Climbers Flippers and they had Bugs Rest in Peace was under was like part of them detail like they had this big ass crew out of like all them rappers from that um, later version of of, of hip hop shop mm-hmm. and the earlier version of the Shelter started come they had these like big old crews and then at the same time. Um, strike star. I think strike shook Shahada. So strike star came to hanging around the Muslims, and so we all black build like this Muslim crew up. Okay. And so strike basically, um, 
taught me how to write bars. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? And so, like I said, the first beat I ever rhymed over, we was on this uh, mixtape. And it was me and my man, me and my little homie YG. Uh, we was in this crew called, we called, we was called The Union. Mm-hmm. And then it was Moo and Act called uh, <laughs> um, Me and My Man. And they had, they was, we used to do shows and everything. Strike taught me how to write bars. The first beat, the first song I ever recorded was at S-Man in the Nine apartment. They had an apartment on the west side. And um, it was the, the, the Nine Porter and S-Man were the first ones that did that. That produced wow. <laughs> made the beat. Jules, maybe you know DJ Jules. Mm-hmm. He he, like the first song I really recorded by myself. Wow. Jules was the first gave me that beat. DJ wow. Jules, yep. Um, shit, I mean I can. I can That's a lot of love. Yeah, it was it was it was it was, a, it was violent time, <laughs> and it was <laughs> <Right>. violent. <laughs> but at the same time, man, people was just coming up. And then you know they had the whole the whole Detroit the whole Eminem thing blowing up, so it was a lot of animosity between a lot a lot of cats, mm. a lot of cats. You know what I'm saying? And then at the same time, like people was trying to position themselves to get on, right? You know, and so proof was in the hood every day in right. Highland Park, right up down the street, had mm-hmm. all the ox. You know what I'm saying? He had all the backing of the ox. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we had Jamat Records. Mm-hmm. You know, um, recorded over there. There's over on the west side. Abdul Hawk, Bakari, um, Dula Beer, rest in peace, man, to the big homie. You know, rest um, in peace. It's some, it's some deep history with the Ox and hip hop in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Maurice Malone, you know what I'm saying? So, hip hop shout history. We just yeah, finished talking about with, yeah, with, head. Know, with DJ Head. Yeah, like I said, like Maurice Malone, I didn't even know him, but I was a little kid. And he used to bring like clothes to my like he used to come kick with my daddy down at this boutique that we had. We had a little boutique cross in the Greater Central Market before it burnt and they remodeled it. But we used to be right here, it'd be the fruit market right there. We'd be right here, Wiggly's and all like the different spots. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to be cool and my daddy used to um, sell like he sell like tapes and bootlegs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you know what I'm saying, uh, Maurice to come through and he kick it with my daddy. You know, Maurice is a fly dude back then. It's early nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super fly. Yeah. Man, you had the look, had the specs on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he wasn't like no typical trying to be New York cat. He was a fly dude. He was Detroit to the T. He was fly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I should look up to that. You know, um, and now for some reason, man, like my dad, he connected with so many people that it's be sad when I bring him up, like, man, it's like, who? Like, oh man. But I mean, Martha Reeves to come down over there, talk to him all the time. A uh, lot of people, like a lot of old writers from both times. Like, Dad, like, Daddy, who is that? They like tell me their both town stories. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. So that's just a little rambling, but no, but that's that's great history. <laughs> I mean, and what's interesting too. Um, well, let's bring Hassan Mahusi into the room. Um, rest in peace, and may Allah be pleased with him. I mean. Because he, um, like we said, he actually created, you know, he was a part of creating the Detroit hip-hop scene. Mm -hmm. And he also was a part of um, helping a lot of people take Shahada and, um, and, you know, come into being open, right, about um, their own spirituality. And many of them decided to choose Islam. Mm -hmm. That's what I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. And so um, on the hip-hop side... I'm going to say, uh, Hassan, I remember being over Sundiata's house. That's his father. Shouts mm-hmm. out to Sundiata Mausi. 
and Maurice being over there. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jerome was over there too. And I remember um, uh, Maurice Malone was working at Showtime at the time, like sewing and stuff like that. Showtime was a clothing store uh-huh. that was on Woodward. And I remember he was Showtime. unhappy. And Hassan was like, why don't you just leave? Leave, leave. Do your own thing. And I remember him being like, I can't do this or whatever. I don't even know if he remembers it. Um, I think Jerome remembers this. And Sundia Ada remembers this story. And I remember um, Hassan just telling him, like, you could do anything you want to do. You could, you know, be your own boss. You're the person who's making the clothes. Like, people are coming there for you. You make things hot. You're the man. And I just remember that whole conversation. And that's where actually the hip-hop shop was actually born. Because they was already making the T-shirts. And they were actually, like, making items. And the T-shirts took off. And they were doing really well. And then he was doing, you know, the overalls and, and you know, but yeah. Hassan and um and Kafani were the ones who actually helped him come up with the slogans, like the jeans for your ass and things like that. Mm-hmm. The draws for your bizalls and all that kind of thing. And, uh, <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? And a lot of the, um you know, the advertising, the marketing and all that, that kind of stuff came out of those brothers. They were very um creative. They were the ones who actually you know, we're helping to come up with a lot of these ideas. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just interesting. You know, we share, you know, this amazing brother, like everyone does. You and, know what uh, I'm saying? Like, Hosp, P. Yeah, Proof. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All the hip-hop shop history. And um, yeah, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about, like, you know, the whole, like, being black and Muslim and hip-hop and, like, that culturally, like, the significance of that. You know what I'm saying? Like with us as a hip hop culture. Right. Um man. Being black and Muslim. It's like a cuz I can't tell it from a convert perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like Cuz you're born into it. I was born to Muslim parents. I was going to ask you that, but I figured I figured you were born into it. Yeah. I was born my father was um a minister under um an FOI under John Muhammad. He came in uh, Temple Number One, but he came. He was a minister under John Muhammad, Temple Number Eight, over in Highland Park. You know. Um, and I'm guessing the temp- the temples are numbered. Well, that t- John Muhammad. They, I don't want to get too because you already know. Okay. John Muhammad had his own different temple than the Farrakhan and Wali Muhammad. Okay. So yeah, John Muhammad is actually Elijah Muhammad's um, baby brother. He's like okay. The last one that passed. Fifteen years ago, but um, yeah, my parents like so. I'm like a Muslim mutt, you know what I'm saying? Like I've been, <laughs> <laughs> I've been through every phase of Muslim. Okay, you know what I'm saying? And um, so you know um, it was kind of it was being humdullah from a lot of my peers that grew up in a certain tradition of Islam they have extreme traumas you know what I'm saying because it was so different and they were so they can tell their story I seen it I left I didn't want to be a part of it by me being born into the nation first kind of gave me a certain central ground Mm. on how to you know what I'm saying because I didn't know about all these other Muslims until I got around like other when I got older around other Muslims like man you ain't no Muslim you ain't a real Muslim you just little that and I'm like, what are you talking about? Muslim is Muslim. Back in the day, 
I'm in a nation, you know what I'm saying? But I'm coming from the nation, and then my my father married. He kind of more started going tradition. Like he was like cool traditionalist. He wasn't like no extremist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So he married a, a woman who my mama kind of with certain levels of extremism. But um, he, my daddy, and then and he's still about his little demons. But my my stepmom, she was like dwarf dean Afrocentric. Okay, like she was really Afrocentric. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So. I had a certain foundation. It's like my grandparents, they was in the black church. So I had a strong foundation of black love that right. a lot of Muslim, black Muslim youth from like the 80s and 70s and stuff like that, if they weren't a part of a certain particular group of Muslims, they didn't have that. Mm, okay. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when I seen that type of narrative, and everybody know, I tell them, sometimes people make me mad at you. They be trying to forget about certain stuff. I'm like, man, I saw it. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want nothing to do with this. Mm. So I, it made me leave Islam. We were talking about this the other day. Me and mm. some of the brothers were like, man, if we want something, if it we went for a law or certain particular brothers, like leadership, like certain, like very few, like I don't know where I'd be. Like I had to make my own thing. I was talking like when we buried my brother and uncle was talking to me. He's like, man, like I seen where you was at and you had to find a law on your own. Your story is so much different here, but you mm. had to find a law for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like Islam wasn't dictated to me. Mm-hmm. Nobody, anybody who know me know. I don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I care a lot, but I don't care like how people think. Mm-hmm. My life don't really revolves around that. Mm-hmm. So I was never really intimidated by like that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was one of them little cat and kids defending Elijah Muhammad to the sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To this day, I still defend Elijah Muhammad. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, I'm a cat that, you know, I, my blackness was always, even if I was with a white girl, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. my blackness was that black. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I never would not not be that black, mm-hmm. you know? And I ain't care. Like, so, my narrative is a lot of different, like a lot of my peers. A lot of them is just stuck in, like, immigrant traditions. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or, or back East traditions. Not me. I'm my, my experience is I'm straight up black. And even mm-hmm. when it got to the point where uh, they gonna try to, they never, it never, and I never synced into me. I was always fighting like, man, why are you talking like that? That's funny. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why are you, ta- why are you pronouncing your, <laughs> why are you pronouncing it like that? That's not even proper touch. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. so, you know, it, it was difficult because we was different. We had, to, <laughs> you know, sometimes you had your cousins and shit like who would like try to give you pork. You know, mm. <laughs> and I, 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 I was, I used to be like Muslim, Muslim when I was a kid. Yeah, you know, I was like a little kid when I got older. Like I didn't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? But when I got, I was Muslim. I was like, Mama, my little sister, like, like to, to my mom, my little sister eat pork. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> oh man, caught her eating. Yeah, eat I was stunt. I was like a baby foi. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, I knew the routine. I know who. I knew that. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it was like, and then when I saw the Muslims, I was happy. Like I yeah. said, I didn't know about these all these Muslim beefs until I got around a certain particular group of Muslims, and they was black. They weren't even the Arabs back then. The black ones, it's like, man, you don't talk to them. They they don't talk to them. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what? You know what I'm saying? Because all I knew from the nation, Muslim was Muslim. Yeah. Well, my household like that. I don't know. Like some people, they nation and they blah, blah, blah. some people look down and say they talk. They want to be Arabs, so they want to be this, they want to be that. My household, my mama, my daddy, them, they was Muslim was Muslim. So. When I was, we was like only Muslim in school, I went to Cooper on the east side. And so, you know, a lot of times over there, it's like Hamtramck. Yeah. So the Yemen's, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was like the only Muslim 
very few of us. And then it's like very few of us. And then it was like the Yemen's and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we was all Muslim. They a lot of them Yemen's didn't speak English in elementary school. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I had to def- we def- I had to defend them. Like man, that's they my Muslim people. You know what right. I'm saying? I do it on the street. It makes a lot. And uh, I pray. I just go. I just went in there. Probably didn't know about makes a lot. You know what I'm saying? But I just went in there and prayed because that's where the Muslims used to go down the street. Um, from where I stayed at. So. Yeah, I had my 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 journey um, through Islam is like kind of bizarre compared to other people because some people they never a lot of time people don't find Allah for themselves they just find it because they was born into it. Mm. I'm not like that. I had to see myself. I never not believed in Allah, but I be- didn't believe in some of them niggas. <laughs> niggas shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. So and that's that goes for like every sort of spiritual. Faith, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. It, so um, yeah. I'm over here like, Allah, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, man. What yeah. I'm saying is, is that I, I, in my own spiritual path, which I'm not going to get into, you know, that's the biggest thing is finding finding it for myself because you can you can get you can get lost in other people's programs and that's, what their belief yeah. systems are and. Don't do this and don't do that, but they back here doing this and doing that. Like the dogma, the dogma and the and the um, uh, hypocr- hypocrisy. I don't like to say hypocrisy because in right. Islam, hypocrisy is such a major word. It's okay. like it's like it's it's, it's nothing terrible. worse than being a, being yeah. a like hypocrite. That, that's, that's but a huge the 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 the, the misguides are the inconsistency inc- are are to do as I say, not as I not yeah. as I do, which mm-hmm. is a major part of basically like being a dictator and a, and a, and and you misguidance. Mm. misguidance. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a type of person. I I I went I went through every single phase of being trying to be righteous to a point where I like I just said I threw my ass. I'm just gonna be me. Mm. But at the same time, I had to learn how to suppress certain desires. Mm. That's deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still talk shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Mad, you, know? <laughs> you know, I still like to see like see my brothers. Like, I, I'm still intertwined with, like, I want people to get theirs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I don't chase tail like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't do drugs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even saying I never... Not been in that shit because everybody know me like man, you was wild as hell, dog. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, you had know. a you got a path, you got a path. Yeah, and 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 that path. I don't want to sound like I don't want to make it like it's just this this big glory story because it's not. Mm-hmm. I'm still on it. Okay. Every other day I'm on some. I want to be on some bullshit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every other day I want to put a play down. You know what I'm saying? Every you. other day I. Sh- Every desire that I probably learn how to 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 fight off, you know what I'm saying, or deal with, they resonate all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, sometimes I be thinking, man, because I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed to be a better example. So I said, uh, I'd be scared if I do something, it probably won't be no coming back. Mm-hmm. Not saying I don't, I, I do stuff all the time, you know what I'm saying. Sinning is that's why I pray. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, but at the same time, I don't want to make a certain this drastic decision that's gonna not just affect me, but affect you know what I'm saying those that I that look up to me. So, and there's a lot of people that look up to you because you work with youth and you're in the community and you're a figure, you know, a leader in our community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So a lot. Of, and, and can you talk about like working with young people because you work with young people, 
You know what I'm saying? And you're pretty impactful and pretty effective, like working with young people. Um, yeah. Sometimes, but a lot, a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that I, um, I don't never pay attention to that. You know what I'm saying? As far as impact and stuff like that, until they say it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't be trying to do nothing special. Only mm-hmm. time, only thing I try to do is bring awareness to ills, to to explain to them that you gonna mess up, and just know that it's a repercussion for every single thing you do. Mm. You go like avoid it as much as you possibly can. The boys and <laughs> girls, you know what I'm saying? Like avoid it. Mm-hmm. You know. Aston abstinence is 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 great. <laughs> you know, it's it it ain't great, but it's great. It will keep you out of a lot of trouble, boys and girls. No, I wouldn't wish a baby mama on the, the nobody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> As a woman, I For understand. Real. You feel me? I wouldn't wish that on nobody. I wouldn't wish. That. I won't. I don't want these dudes. And even that, if he don't have, a, he's strapping up. I wouldn't wish him. I won't want my. Son, I want my son to be no hoe. You know what I'm saying? I don't want him to be extra promiscuous, and then tell my girls, um, the- "Wait till you marry, girl." I want the best of both. I want him to have the best of women. It's like I want my wife, my daughter, to to have the best of, of a husband. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that they not. They not go. I don't know what's gonna happen. So when I talk to kids, I just say be like, you know, I just tell them like. Man, I know what you into. You know what I'm saying? And we sit and kick it. We kick it. Like, I don't talk to them like kids. Like, man, once you 15, 14, 15, 16 years old, you ain't know. You, you, you know, you know when you was 15. Yeah, I was just going to say, you were, I think you were saying, like, you remember you, what you was doing at 15. Man, I was some everything. You know I what I'm saying? I was praying and in church. <laughs> well, I actually was. <laughs> I'm so proud but I was of you. also I was also you I was know partying, partying. I was also in my too, and it was interesting because I remember I used to go to church with because that was when I was took yeah, my shahada yeah. and I used to have to go to church because my grandma was like I don't care you gonna be in church with that rag on your head <laughs> <laughs> no but that's funny you said you was a little bit of everything like you silly you was a little bit of everything because when I think back to fourteen and fifteen I was I was hooping all I cared about was hooping but at fourteen fifteen that's when I would not. Uh, you see the unibrow. I'm, 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 you know, withholding. But this was what it was. I wasn't getting eyebrows done, but I was easing out. Of, I was easing out of that phase and starting getting cute. Yep, so yep. you already know what came with that. So. C- congratulations. <laughs> Seriously, but it's but it's interesting because um, you know uh, it's interesting too because hip hop and you know this culture that you're a part of you use that you know what I'm saying as mm-hmm. like a tool to relate to young people and it's interesting mm-hmm. that you're able to draw them in and uh, I want to bring our guest into the room real quick so we could just uh, get to it um, so we have DJ Los in the building <laughs> DJ Los <laughs> what up dude yeah those are our human sound effects <laughs> so yeah so DJ Los is so we've mentioned Los Maybe I want almost once per podcast, possibly. Wow. Um, Love you guys. Just because Los is such a huge part of um, Detroit hip hop, such a huge part of my life, such a huge part of the culture and history and everything. And um, his dad, Butch Small, shouts out to the king of uh, 
the congas and the percussion <laughs> um, is amazing. He did the Detroit is Different podcast interview with Kari. I won't give that away, but look for that. Um, and we're going to bring both of you on next year to like kick next year off. But I wanted to bring you on um, now because... I just wanted to establish some history. We had DJ Head here, who is also a huge part of Detroit history with the hip-hop shop and all that. But um, I just got to let folks know, your history, at least for me in hip-hop, predates the hip-hop shop. Um, Me and you, it's interesting. Me and you are the same age. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, I grew up listening to you and was a fan of yours. And so when I moved to... Detroit as as a kid, well, back to Detroit as a kid from New York City in 1986. That's when you, I don't want to say emerge, but you were doing stuff way before then. But for me, that's when I found out about you because you were, you know, that's when your career began and y'all were like huge in these streets. And uh, that's when I became a, a huge fan. So this is like super awesome. I'm flattered. To be like a fan, right, of someone that you were a fan of as a kid that you didn't even know was the same age as you. And then later to become friends and family and mm. all that kind of stuff. So I just had to get that quick story out the way. And then um, I'll let you tell like your own, you know, your own story because you're here. So I don't want to tell your story for you. But I will say from a personal perspective, you've been very um, informative to 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 meet myself and others about the history you have um, brought various resources and people to the table to um, empower the hip hop community and build it up and make it better and make other people better. You know, um, my experience with you, you are very giving, you share, you um, cons- console and consult. You're like a person who is able to like heal a lot of beefs and wounds. You uplift people and, um, you bring a lot of women in hip hop um up you know what i mean like you support a lot of women in hip hop you know what i mean um in this space so um i just kind of wanted to put that out there and then i wanted to throw it to you and uh oh and i also have to let y'all know that uh all the dudes from the west coast like look up to uh, DJ Los DJ Los and DJ Head but when Head was here you know, and we talked about, you know, like the West Coast and Dr. Dre and like, you know, the Snoop Dogg and that whole sort of vein. Like, just think like before, because that, that strain didn't start till like 92, around 92. So remember, so Los has been out here that long. So he has stories from the 80s. Yeah. Being a kid where the folks in L.A. are looking at his billboard. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's his billboard is up in LA. That's and then crazy. and all the people that we looked to in the nineties, right, was looking to him in the eighties as like that the way we looked the way we look at the Dr. Dre's and all that now, that's how they was looking at him back then. So I just had to bring that into the room so that y'all know like what's about to go down right now. Yeah. I mean, and before you get started, you know, I'm in the generation where in order for us to really, really be in tune with hip-hop, like, we have to really, really go and educate ourselves. And the information is there. So I saw that one of your first major projects for the city was in 85. She's mentioned 85, 86. So she was on you early. So she knows what she's talking about, listeners. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and the other thing I wanted to say before you get started is, is uh, 
just to piggyback off what she's saying about that that West Coast sound. I mean, even to this day, when you take a look at Detroit hip hop and one segment of the Detroit hip hop, the T Grizzlies, the Sada Babies, their sound transcends into the YGs, the the uh, E40s, you know. And I'm not trying to, you know, E40 is a is a is a is a godfather out there. But even him, his sound transcends. It sounds like it branches from Detroit. So you know, that's. That's deep. Yeah, that's awesome. the Oakland way. O- yeah. Oakland is a lot like uh, Detroit. Yeah. So give us, so take us all the way back in time to the wee little drum player or DJ that you were. No, what was your first instrument? Was it a, like a shaker ray or something? No. Um, <laughs> I really don't play instruments fluently. Okay, okay. But uh, drum machines and keyboards, I, I, that's, I played with those first. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was um, lucky enough to have, you know, shout out to my, my dad, Carl Butch Small. Yes. That's, that's my hero, first and foremost, mm. you know. So my dad, I grew up in the studio uh, with, um, you know, in, going to the studio with my dad, per, uh, performing percussion parts for Parliament Funkadelic and the Dramatics and so many other people who Can came we just- Pause right there. Just mm-hmm. can you guys hear what he just said? Repeat that. I'm gonna do like they do. You know when, when you DJ in the Caribbean, it's like <laughs> 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 rewind. Wait, can you give us that again? For sure. Okay, so I used to travel to the studio with my dad, with Carl Butch Small, as he laid percussion parts for like Parliament Funkadelic, Wow, Boosie Collins, um, the Dramatics, um, so many people that I, I it's. You know, when people ask me questions like this, sometimes mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to remember everything. But but I remember being in the studio with Parliament Funkadelic wow. and and and, and uh, the Dramatics on a regular basis. What age were you? I was like, want to say seven. Wow. Yes, yeah, I was seven, seven, eight years old, and up until probably around when I was like ten or something like that. Did you really realize what was going on as far as the legacy and the greatness that was being created? No, I mean, I knew, I kind of knew. How that they were big because I used to go to the concerts with my dad too. So I used to be like seven, eight years old with a backstage pass stuck on my, oh, on wow. my coat, and you know they they let me walk around in the audience by myself with this pass on. So all of the <laughs> all of the girls would Hilarious. would be like, "Ooh, this cute little boy! Oh, right. he's got a pass! Hi, hi! Can That's I be funny. your girlfriend?" You know, so I remember all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, yeah, I knew that they were. Important, but I didn't know how important. Understood. You know, yeah. Wait, what songs were you in the studio? Be, like while they were being made at like, seven? Like a lot of uh, One Nation. What? Uh, I think I was there when they did Flashlight. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, but One Nation and um, uh, Knee Deep and all of that stuff. My dad played on a lot of those parts. I remember when he was playing the uh, the parts for those songs. Yeah, like so. Just to give some, you know, imagery on on that part of your life, like so, you watching your pops through your through your young eyes, and mm-hmm. like, what do you remember about his sessions? Did he, as the drummer, lay down the foundation for the sound? Did they say to him, "This is what this is what we're looking for"? And he let, like, where where? How did you see him work? What I could remember is it was like a big party there all the time. It was a bunch of people there wow. all the time, and. Everybody got their turn to just add their pieces mm. to whatever was already the foundation that was laid. So, like, Uncle Bootsy might, you know, you know him to play bass guitar, but he he played drums, too. Okay. So, a lot of people don't know that he's playing the drums on Flashlight. Mm. Like, that's Bootsy Collins playing the drums. They, they, like, they might not have a drummer. They would have somebody who 
was there who who their main instrument was uh, like bass guitar or something, mm-hmm. and he would play them. Mm-hmm. So after the foundation was laid, um, my dad would go in and uh, United Sounds. I remember a lot of uh, sessions being at United Sound Studios. Yeah, we and, brought that one up. Um, I think maybe Head was here. Yeah. And we talked about it. Yeah. That tell okay. T- finish telling us the story. Okay. Then we talk about United. Okay. Sounds. So. What I remember a lot of is me going in the room with my dad to play the while he played the parts, and he just told me I would have to have to be quiet because it was live <laughs> microphone. So I would mm. sit still for hours mm. and watch my dad play his play his parts mm-hmm. in so, awe, probably right? Huh? In awe? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I just knew my dad was working, and uh, I knew the brides of Funkenstein and Uncle George. And, you wow. know what I'm saying? I, I've spent the night over George Clinton's house. Wow. Uh, Boosie's house, Uncle Boosie's house. We used to go out there to Cincinnati for uh, New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the first time they let me shoot a gun. All kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> it, it, I, I got I got so many memories, man. Yeah, you know what's interesting too, because um, I grew up between New York and Detroit. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna say the first time I moved to Detroit <laughs> or back to Detroit as a kid, as a little kid, mm-hmm. my mom. Uh, had moved back to Detroit. We had lived in New York, and she moved back here, I think, um, what year is One Nation? Is that 77, 78? Around there, right? Somewhere, Somewhere around there. Because I, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember when we, we moved here, I was the same age as mm-hmm, you, and mm-hmm. we moved here, I think I was like seven. And uh, my uncle, well, my family's very into music, as you could tell. Uh-huh. And I used to be the, the family DJ, if you will, with the like wooden record player playing all the records. Dope. I used to be into all the music. Dope. <laughs> so my uncle would like bring me records, right? And I just remember my uncle and my cousin ran in the house because I had just moved there from New York City. I really didn't know so much people. And that music was what really like centered our family. Right. So we would have family parties in the living room and all our cousins and everything would come over. So I didn't know the kids on the block so I couldn't really go out and play and things like that I could but you know it's just interesting dynamics but mm-hmm. but they would play all this music and he brought that record that One Nation Under Groove and I'll never forget him being like okay Piper I want you to hear something this is gonna revolutionize music <laughs> no I'm serious That's dope. I'm so serious he's like this is gonna revolutionize music he's like when I play this record I need you to focus. I need you to listen to every single instrument and every single thing. And so he, the one he brought was a 45. So it didn't have like album artwork, Mm -hmm. right? Because 45s were like in like a sleeve. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but he, you know, he put on a 45 and it was like, I'll never forget. Because remember it used to put it up and then it had to go down Mm -hmm. onto the surface Mm -hmm. and then the, Needle would like come over, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as it went, down, 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 so wide, can't get around it. So low, you can't get under it. And it was like, what is this? It was like all. It was like voices. Like they were making voices. They were like, you know, calling spirits. Like you yep. had all this percussion. Yep. It was all these. It was these layers of sound, and it was just like something I had never. Her, because that was that was a time when it was about disco and like what I'm gonna call like more like soul, 
You know what I'm saying? It was like what, disco what, and soul music. What it was yeah. was a was a diss. Now that you mentioned that, mm-hmm. my dad told me the story why why the song was so fast. Yeah, it was a diss to disco music oh, okay. because okay. Dis, disco was like leading the pack. Right. And so George and and the rest of the clan, they were like, you know what? We don't like disco. Right. We we gonna put this funk in their face. We right. gonna make a fast song so they could dance to it. Yep. Mm. And that's what it was. And it was so funny because like. We made a Soul Train line, my whole family, because that's what you did back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at Brittany. She, and my whole family went down the Soul Train line and doing what? The the bump and the, you know, the football and uh, <laughs> the, the rock. And uh, what were these other dances? Um, yeah, like, you know, it was it was all these like 70s dances, right? I'm talking about... I'm talking about 70s dances that you did the funk music and my whole family would like go down and they played that record over and over and over and over. I don't know like mm-hmm. so my whole family went down the Soul Train line and to this day my favorite 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 you know funkadelic like you know song is this you know One what I'm Nation. saying One mm-hmm. Nation mm-hmm. because that that was my the message first of all the lyrics but like the infectious, you know, rhythms. But like I said, the layering and just honoring that the the genius of that record. You know what I'm saying? And people love other records, and I love the other records. But that one record in particular, the message is so unifying. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. And it was like my sort of like intro back into Detroit. Mm-hmm. And like everywhere I went ever since then. I heard this like funky, funky, funky sound that sounded like it was trying to sound like that funk, mm-hmm. but couldn't actually they couldn't emulate get it. there. Right. And no songs are funky now. I'm but, about funky but, but, not, but not as. But it could never go there. <laughs> so everything else. So that one for me is like that raw, gritty, real, actual, like what funk was meant to be, the mothership, like that whole thing. And like everything else is like really good, but just not. It was almost like a commercial version of that. So when I met when I met you, and then I knew your history, and then you told me about your dad, and I met your dad. I think I almost passed out because <laughs> I was like, "That was you playing all those percussions that I loved," yep. and he was like. Yeah. It's so many frequencies on that song, man. <laughs> it, see, like, I look at it like it's a spiritual ritual. It is. I, thought, it, I, I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah, because Uncle wow. George, he was, his his lyrics, man, he talked mm. about, you know, a lot of interstellar stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's definitely, like, a spiritual... Um, it's a spiritual experience. Yeah, yeah. And also, too, I will give this, because my cousins were in Pony Down. If y'all don't know what Pony Down is, that is a, a community organization <laughs> no, no. Um, they they call them gangs, but we call them um, we call them community leaders, uh, people that have stepped up to lead the community and security and things like that. Um, that's good. So that's, that's, uh, that's cool. That's positive, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we had we had one in our hood. It was called Pony Downs. My cousins were in them, and I remember back in the days when they came with that, they taught me how to do the Earl Flynn because they were like Piper. <laughs> you're you know. Gang stuff, family, you know, whatever. They were like, Piper, you have to learn how to do this dance. Because, like, quote, unquote, like, you're one of us. And 
at that time. Your initiation. Right. You know how you do the kids. So it's like, okay, there was such a ritual around learning this dance as a child. They took this dance very seriously. Later, I learned that if you were to compare it to like tribal culture, it was a war dance, you know, Mm. because back in the 70s, you couldn't do the Earl Flynn unless you were in that in the Pony Downs, right? And so random people just didn't do Earl Flynn or else they'll get completely messed up. They'll get beat up or something, you get hurt. Yeah, you you were not allowed to do uh, Earl Flynn. And so culturally... It's like crip walking. Okay. It's like crip walking. Same, same concept. The same thing, okay, just don't do it. So, but culturally, <laughs> it was like a thing where if you could do it, it was like... So a spiritual, it was like a spiritual experience of like what only thing I can imagine because we're on a podcast. I'll try to explain it to you because we have listeners from all over the world. Mm-hmm. If you raise your hands up, you know, like to 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 the the higher power, the universe, or the gods, and then you draw that energy like into yourself. You know what I mean? And you just keep going up and down, up and down to keep drawing that inner that energy towards you. But what would happen is if you went to house party or something, that's, it mm-hmm. was basically like like a signal, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's get ready to rumble type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, that makes so much sense. Huh? Yeah. But like later, it like now you could do it. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a Detroit common. thing. It's common, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, um, but just for me, like that One Nation Under Groove, that Parliament Funkadelic, like that Errol Flynn you know, and, and, and that whole east side, whatever, like that whole thing for me personally is where I hold hip Detroit hip hop, like like the spirit of where that birth Detroit hip hop. Mm-hmm. So for like your dad to be on those records, and then for you to come all this time later and and do what you did in Detroit and then come later and back and like be an influence of the folks from the West Coast and in the West Coast to like reflect that back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Through through their level of stardom. And then for like the Detroit people to look at the West Coast people and reflect mm-hmm. that back and they go back and forth. It's just like, anyway, and you're here and you look like 12 years old, but 10, but it's like Thank super you. phenomenal. So anyway, so, I got to yeah. finish letting you tell your story. Yeah. But. So I was, a, I was re- actually a part of it in my own small way. Um, my first recording was on a, a Bootsy Collins album. Um, wow! And it came from a studio session that my dad had with uh, with Uncle Bootsy, mm. and they, you know, all of the musicians' children were there. Mm. And so Uncle Bootsy said, "You know what? I'm gonna get all of the kids to sing this chorus." Wow! You know what I'm saying? And then so because my dad and Bootsy were so tight, mm-hmm. I got a little special treatment. Nice. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Uncle Bootsy said, "Well, I'm, I'm gonna have you." Blow the uh, the funk whistle. Wow! So they stood me in a chair. Mm-hmm. That's so cute. Yeah, in in United Sound Studios in Detroit, and uh, I blew this whistle on this song called "Get Live Bootsy." Wow. I also sang on there too on another track. But, wow! But um, that's my first vocal credits. That was mm-hmm. in 1979. I got my first recording credits. Mm. Uh, Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city.
Sound without focus is just noise. I keep observation of the ancients. I'm not anxious. I'm so patient. Look at me. I'm levitating, floating on this ocean of emotion like I'm ice skating. Pictures be like Night Kong, King Kong, Saigon. Might want to leave for your lights off. Might want to turn on your brights off. Because evil's deceitful when demons reside in cathedrals. Watch them shine on. Resident Evil residing in people I thought was my people's. They pythons. Pythons, pythons. Not the type to rely on. But the type to keep eyes on See through the high nylon High let bygones just mic on Thinking in silicon boobies and booties and Gucci and Louis from Taiwan Man, people are fake Man, people are snakes Ask me how I'm doing, I proceed to tell a man Man, I'm great, great Look at me clearing my plate Mmm, delicious These haters, they dirty dishes Watch them pile up I just keep my distance, pay them no attention I just keep my cool, I'm so air-conditioned Never give a mention Who? They so fake ID, never get it mixed. Watch nah. me flow. Watch me flow. Flow, flow, no Flow, flow, no you. Watch me flow. Flow, flow, no I'm floating, I'm coasting, my focus is out, so heavenly Won't be rude by emotion, you shame say my ocean You peasants so never unsettle me Higher the levels be, higher the devils be I'm watching real carefully all of my enemies Saying they care for me, you never care for me Watch me, me fly 